0: Oh, this is my favorite part of the day. So, do you have anything that you'd like to say to everybody?
1: Um, I got a boo-boo on my hand right here.
0: Oh no, that is not what I wanted to hear. <sighs> what are we going to do now? Talk. Oh, alright, let's talk. So, can you tell the people that are listening to you, do you have anything to tell them?
1: Christmas we're going to make, get some Christmas cookies and make them.
0: I love Christmas cookies. And then what?
1: And then we're gonna ice them and put some in it, um Santa Claus's guys.
0: And then
1: we're going to go to, um to Florida when it's skiing time.
0: And then
1: We're going to go to Florida.
0: And then... Keep talking. (laughs) You're so crazy. So, Christmas time is a happy time, as we know. Yeah. What are you happy for?
1: Getting Christmas stuff.
0: Well, what should everybody else want for Christmas, do you think?
1: Maybe some toys.
0: You know, we love toys.
1: But maybe they want to get some, one's going to get some, make a list, so they can know what San, Santa's going to do. And they're going to... And some will not get a list, and um wait for the Christmas present, what. Oh, Santa's gonna get oh them. so
0: now I have a question. What are the people that are listening that were not good this year? What are they going to get?
1: Nothing. You hear that? No presents.
0: No presents. Yeah. So what do they need to do in order to get presents?
1: Because they, if they be very, very naughty, because he will just say, um, he won't get anybody the presents. So because because if there was a I think a sister be nice, and then brother didn't be, and then the brother be naughty, he won't get presents, but the girl will.
0: That's true. And what what do you think you would say to Santa when he crossed the triathlon finish line?
1: Good job winning.
0: Well, and what would he say when he crossed the finish line?
1: Um, thank you for watching.
0: Wow! And then where's he going to want to go after crossing that finish line, do you think?
1: To, um, Disney World.
0: I want to go to Disney World! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, thank you for the world according to Elliot. And thank you for being you. And do you have anything that you would like to say to everybody before we...
1: Well, guys, you be nice so you can get presents.
0: That's true. Maybe we should tell them the thing that we always say.
1: Good morning. Helpful. Be helpful and kind.
0: That's right. That's what we say. Be helpful and kind. Get on the nice list. Get a present. And when you cross that finish line... Go to Disneyland. Welcome, welcome, yes, welcome. That was another uh, world according to Elliot. And some things never change, you know. Uh, Standing crossing the crossing the finish line, you know, still kind of like back in my childhood. I remember those was like some commercials where it says, uh, "You just won the Super Bowl," you know. I want to go to Disneyland. So apparently, that's what that's what we do. We're gonna go to Disneyland. Probably go to Harry Potter World. So today is uh, well. Let me back up. I'm your host, the Prince of Pain, aka Triumph Project, and or Jeff Fairbanks. Today we're going to be hearing a, a story of of uh, of inspiration, and it's just quite simply just that uh, this this uh, this gentleman. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Watson is a, a complete rock star man, and uh, my hats off to his journey, his tr- his continued triumph, and uh, his positive outlook on things to come. And so, I hope this this story that uh, you're about to hear inspires you, and uh, and quite further, um, hopefully, is a bit of awareness for possibly someone that may be having uh, uh, similar things going on, and uh, hopefully, this can sort of be an eye opener. So. I think today for me to open this thing up uh, is quite suiting for uh, the song that I wanted to kind of give you. Try to mix it up a little bit, but um, taking in the words of Elliot's pre-K classroom, it says, uh, you should have a dance party every day. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, we should. So from me to you, live it up, man. Here's my intro wrecking ball with a twist which is fitting for Kyle and probably Jason probably loves this so it's probably one of his favorite songs Yeah, you can you can be bobbing the head. That's what you're probably doing. I can see you get doing the little uh, the break dance like I'm doing. oh uh. All right, that's enough. Enjoy the story. Well, could this be the day?
2: <laughs> oh, bright and early,
0: man. How I know how is it?
2: Oh, it's are nice. You already... It's actually a little chilly up here in NorCal. Uh, no kidding. I didn't think after moving down here I was going to get to wear my uh, my long sleeve hoodies and warm clothes. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you missing Washington?
2: Oh yeah, I don't miss the rain, but, but I, I miss I miss Washington and I miss the people. Yeah. Um, it's it's an amazing place. Yeah. Wow. We're kind of in the same boat, right? Because we moved out too. We left. Uh, uh, well, where'd you guys move to? We moved to Colorado. So we're down. Okay. Well, I don't feel so sorry for you. That's my, my second home. I was, I'm a CU alum, and uh, Boulder doesn't. Colorado doesn't suck.
0: Yeah, that's. So I figured you wouldn't be, you wouldn't mind visiting at some point, right? Maybe we can get some miles in. Oh, so, that thinking. has
2: to happen, man. That has yeah. to happen.
0: So I have a lot of other
2: friends I'm long overdue uh, to visit back there. Nice. Well, then I'll wait for the day,
0: <laughs> Jason. What's up fellas? Good morning. Good morning, guys. How was your weekend? How many stories? Uh, we
3: cut down our Christmas tree this weekend.
0: Chris uh Griswold style or did you actually do it legit?
3: Uh no, we go into the into the woods into a farm by us and traips through the through the forest and cut down a tree. Although I did bring the saw this time, so um Week! Week <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I got to carry it back, and uh, yeah, so um, it's been a cool tradition, but as we're driving home, we drive by the lot, and there's, like, the Boy Scouts tying it to the car, and it costs half the price, and I'm like, huh, maybe next year we'll stop the tradition and just do it that way, so. <laughs> uh, no, it's all good. How you guys doing?
0: Huh? I'm doing, I'm tired. I mean, what's okay. new? That's kind of the same old, same old, but.
3: You have to be tired. As an endurance athlete, I think that's just kind of how it works, right?
0: I guess so. That's what I'm learning. (laughs) But I'm just – I'm actually pumped for today because I'm actually going to segue into a little story. And, Kyle, I hope I'm not going to offend you a little bit. But uh, this is me off the cuff. I I wanted to share, hopefully, how I met Kyle. This was my first time I ever met Kyle. And then, hopefully, he can share with us kind of – get into his story and, you know, kind of brought him into all this stuff. Um, but I'm excited to kind of hear because I, so I knew, um, I knew Kyle through uh, an introduction to a guy named Greg out in Washington state. So when we were, when we were living there, I kind of, um, you know, was looking, I did a sprint triathlon and that somehow someone was saying, you know, talk to this, to this coach or this person. And it led me to Greg. Right. And so this guy, Greg, he lived literally a mile from our house, just right across the street. And so he was the one that was kind of sharing all of his knowledge and getting into stuff. Right. And so he loved to go. He always talked about this shop, right. It's where he gets all his stuff. And the shop was Kyle and his, and his wife's store and it was down in Redmond, which is like the town. We were in Redmond, but it's just, you know, down the hill basically. And so Greg greg's always just like oh yeah i got it i mean he always had the newest stuff you know what i mean like at least it seemed that way to me um like the newest gadgets or like he knew about most things you know like did you build this and i'm i was always in the dark and so i remember we walked we walked in and he was shooting the breeze with with kyle you know and obviously he like introduced and you know he introduced me and stuff just like oh this is my buddy jeff whatever no big deal and so I remember I'm like okay, and I knew no, I do like knew nobody in the in this sport, right? And so I remember one trip we were going back to Florida to do this race, and I walked into the shop, and Kyle was with someone, you know, like, you know, doing doing his thing like a customer, and I like waited there, and I remember I waited for like, it seemed like forever, and it may not have been that long, but Kyle was totally just I don't even this might be one of those like small people to big people type stories here where you don't even really realize that this was the situation. But I remember sitting in there and keep in mind, like I, I, without knowing anything about the sport, I don't know, like, you know, how, how, how do you like react in there? I don't go into these stores much or whatever, but I was just basically trying to get my back, my bike packed because I didn't know how to do that to go onto the flight. And so so, Kyle just looked at me a couple times, just really briefly, but, like, didn't acknowledge me. And so, I just stood there for, like, 10 minutes. And then I laughed. What a dick. He, th- like, <laughs> he, he
2: thought you were going to shoplift something. Crazy.
0: I probably looked like
2: a thug. But I remember right? telling Greg, I'm like... No, you look think... too fast, man. I didn't want to anything do you. like, nothing's faster than me. I'm
0: like, I don't think that guy likes me, man. Or Greg's like, no, it's not. It's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, I don't know. I think I pissed him off or something. <laughs> and so, anyhow, that was... So, okay, fast forward, you know, that's that was kind of my first interaction with Kyle's. I mean, like, I don't, you know, I'm not cool enough or whatever. And then, you know, <laughs> over time, um, you know, Kyle has a fascinating story and, and actually just kind of one of the badasses uh, in my mind um, locally, especially in Washington. And I like trained with his wife. I didn't have an opportunity to train with Kyle because um, kind of fast forwarding through the years, I just you know, everyone's path goes different ways. Everyone's busy. And I, I was fortunate enough to train with his wife, um, I think once or twice. Um, and then you'll kind of understand why I didn't have an opportunity to, to train with Kyle yet
1: <laughs> so,
0: with all that being said, uh, Kyle, um, go ahead and let me know. Hopefully I was way off and you actually love me and all that jazz because as Jason <laughs> will point out, I'm sure this is all about me. So, yes. <laughs> so, so go ahead and let us know, you know, how did you get into sport? Who are you? Lay it on us.
3: And did Fairbanks steal anything from your store?
0: Yeah.
2: And the
3: what? That. Did Did Jeff steal anything from your store?
2: Only hope and dreams. It does say maybe a little sweat and uh, <laughs> and uh, no. Um, yeah. Oh God. The you know the days of running a store as a small business owner. Um, it's it's kind of insane. Um, and the customers love to bend your ear and they love to, to soak your brain. So. That one was all on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, a little bit of background: I kind of grew up as your all-American, you know, all-American jock. Uh, I was into, although I wasn't quite into the traditional sports. Um, I grew up ski racing, um, and that was one of my big things, and uh, and running. So, and then a little bit of swimming in the summer times, just because I think it was way it, it was cheap babysitting, I think, or, or just you know. I say babysitting, but a way to occupy the kids, so I did the summer swim team program. Um, I, I totally sucked. I was never fast. I was the breast joker because, you know, I just I, – I suck at freestyle. But um, you and me you know, both. Always going a million miles an hour. Um, and uh, running was kind of – running and skiing were two big things. And I, I had to give up my skiing my senior year, um because I kind of had to make a choice. Hey, am I going to – forego education and all this and, and try and do this full time or, or not. And I said, Hmm, let's look at coaching. So I, I started coaching and, uh, and that was a, I think a great decision on my part. I've, I've loved being a ski coach. I still do that from time to time, um, for a team back, back home in, in Washington, but, um, running was kind of my thing. Um, I ended up going to the university of Colorado, um, where I was nowhere near good enough to, uh, to run Adam, <laughs> Adam Gousher's team. <laughs> who was my same age, and literally I'm like, oh, shit, this is Adam Goucher. Yeah, not only was the cross-country team at, at Colorado um, super fast, but uh, I don't think I was smart enough. The average GPA cumulative across the whole varsity squad was 3.98. Jeez. And shit. <laughs> I, heard they, I heard they beat the guy with sponges that got the B. Um, <laughs>
3: So they were nerds and jocks combined.
2: Oh, dude, yeah, totally. I mean, and I'm a nerd, too, and I'm not even that cool a nerd. Right, (laughs) They were cool nerds. uh, Yeah, so interesting little note that will come into play later. You know, in in high school as a young athlete, um, this is long before the the Garmin ages um, because none of us are spring chickens. But (laughs) um, the highest I used to get my heart rate up to, I mean, 800-meter dash was 121 beats per minute, which is like – yeah, that was my max heart rate. That you was know, zone five. It was maybe, you know, if I could get it, I doubt I ever hit hundred and thirty. And uh and I just thought it was because oh hey, you know. Because 'cause you're awesome. And and some of my friends were were similar. Um now granted some of my friends were world class runners. Um, so <laughs> they went on to do things that I did not. Um uh mine had an explanation, theirs was sheer sure awesomeness. Um <laughs> So fast forward a little bit, um, I, uh, I, I did a lot of state active through college and everything um, and uh, got into some other interesting, fun sports. You can tease me all you want, but I was a college cheerleader at the University of Colorado. Nice. Best thing ever. Um, and uh, a good times, so I went into the Army for a few years. I was a Special Forces medic for a little bit um, and, uh, and then went back to school and had to get a real job and, and join the workforce. And so I was, um, I just, I was working at Microsoft I got fat, lazy, sucking down a <laughs> and mountain do a day. Um, I don't remember the last time I'd run or ridden. I mean, there's a hideous picture of me on the beach my shirt off. Um, and I'm like, who is that fat dude? Um, but I, I just totally lost myself. And I switched companies to Expedia. And my recruiter um, is, has become a good buddy of mine, uh, nicknamed B-Man Brian Reichert. And that guy was like, dude, you know, what what up? You, you know, how come you're not still biking and riding and doing rad shit? And I was like, Well, you know, I kinda I'm out of the circle. I need some friends to help me. So he started getting me riding with me and some of his buddies. And his girlfriend Colleen, um, was doing Ironman Canada that year. So um he's like, Hey, you, you gotta you gotta come up and you know, we'll, we'll all decide to go and watch Colleen race and as most of you guys probably know, if you go watch an Ironman and you're <laughs> all athletically inclined, you find yourself the next morning in line to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> so the five of us, having never done, you know, Brian had done one, um, and I think Booth had done one, but my wife and I had not done a uh, an Ironman, even a half Ironman at that point, point. we signed up. Um, another friend of my neighbor, Cynthia, she, she talked me into doing a sprint triathlon um, early in the spring. Uh, I learned... Initially, back then, it probably wasn't a good idea to eat Wendy's um, the night before a triathlon. <laughs> Ironically, now I can pound cheeseburgers during a bike ride like a champ. In fact, I'd have to. That's my special needs. My, my secret sauce is a cheeseburger mid-ride. Um, it's as much to psych everybody else out, as I <laughs> So So uh, I got into it, started, uh, you know, we did a couple of halves. Hawaii was my first. Um, it, it was a struggle. Um, and, uh, training up, I did Ironman Canada and had an, an okay swim. Like I said, I'm not fast. And that was the 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 Penticton Canada um, swim. If you've ever done it is the on record, the most gnarliest, nastiest swim ever, <laughs> 15, 2,000 people all in the same spot, trying to hit the same buoy in 400 yards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it a lake or is it a, uh, it's I a guess big a... lake. Yeah. So it's big big lake, yeah. Lake, and it's a down and back. Um, so you've got about a mile down, but, um, everybody wants to be in the same place and, uh, and you, it's a bar fight in the water. Um, <laughs> it's pretty epic. Um, but I survived the swim, got on the bike, hammered the bike, was loving that got on the run was doing great. Got out to mile, um, mile eight on the run and suddenly things weren't right. At first I thought, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm bonking. I looked down, my heart rate was going tachycardic. It was spiking up through, through 200. And I was like, this is not right. And suddenly everything kind of shut down. Um, cognitively, I kind of was off and I went into this kind of auxiliary mode. And one thing I've learned about myself is I have a weird auxiliary mode.
0: Um, (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, explain that going. Like, like so, what, you started but, singing? <laughs> no, I wish it was that cool If I had stopped and just started singing That probably would have been smarter But I just kind of kept walking um, I just kept following the crowd Kept going I'm like, it'll correct Or just, just keep moving um, My autopilot is to keep moving, not to stop um, Which has been a good thing And maybe a bad thing but, uh, So I walked for 10 miles um, oh my god! And suddenly, around mile 18, just like that, all of a sudden, everything was good, and I started running again. Boom, ran it in. Um, and it was like, okay, maybe that was just Iron Man. I didn't know. Um, <laughs> I started having a few other kind of issues in training, and uh, so I decided. Friends said, "Hey, you should go get your, you know, you should go get things checked out." Um, I had a couple other buddies that had some um, some issues with uh, with. Um, you know, some electrical stuff going on in their heart and they had ablations and things like that. So I went to the University of Washington and started working with their cardiologist and uh, you know, they put me on the treadmill, did the old Bruce protocol, which is, you know, crank it up uh, a notch and speed up a notch um, for 20 minutes. And uh, I'm pretty sure my my 70-year-old mother can max that test <laughs> after like doing, you know, laborious things so they'll be like oh no you're you're fine there's nothing wrong with you you're, uh, you're just training too hard you're pushing yourself too hard and uh i was like mm, i i kind of don't think that's it <laughs> i've been pushing myself hard my entire life and this is this is not what's going on but uh so they were convinced that was it so a couple years kind of go by um and i'm getting kind of frustrated because i'm not able to perform the way i used to and i'm having these just random what we just—I call it tax. I don't mean to make it sound scary, but we're just suddenly—you know—my body will shut down, my heart will hurt, will pound. And didn't get it, I was getting dizzy. And my dad lives out in Sun Valley, and they—they uh, they have a house and a little apartment there, a condo there, and they rent either or out um, out. And a family from Minnesota had rented the house, and they were having lunch with them. And it turns out that the the husband was. Um, humbly as he initially led us to believe a surgeon at the Mayo Clinic well Dr. Johnson turns out it was the chief of surgery the entire <laughs> Mayo Clinic probably the world leading reconstructive plastic surgeon we're not talking Hollywood here we're talking uh, Rodeo Drive we're talking dude got mangled <laughs> in a, in a landmine or you know industrial accident and he can rebuild the body um, but amazing human being and my dad was like, oh, Mayo Clinic, you know, making sure it of the Mayo Clinic. He's like, yeah, my, my son's been, been struggling with, with some heart issues that they're, they're not able to diagnose. And Craig pulled out his cell phone, called uh, one of the cardiologists back at Mayo Clinic right there during lunch and described what was going on. And uh, they were like, hey, get him on the next flight out here. I want to see him. So Craig looked at my dad and said, hey, would Kyle at the Mayo Clinic take a stab at it?" He's like, he can stay with us. We'll put him up. Um, but would he be willing to let, let us take a stab at it? And my dad <laughs> called me. I'm like, dude, I'm about right. to that. I'm about to go. I'm Michigan, In an alley whatever. somewhere. You know, yeah, to quote my, one of my old favorite cheesy movies, The Cutting Edge, like, there's got to be someone down there, like, can you shoot shark piss up your nose and put some traction for a week? You know? <laughs> um, make it straight. Make it straight. I was like, I was, I was going to try anything because, you know, if you, if you clip my wings, you know, put me on an iceberg, man. Um, I'm just that, I got that kind of personality, right? I I don't do sedentary very well. Um, And so it was getting really depressing. That was one of the big things i battled with is, is, and not a lot of people like to talk about this. Um, And, and I like to be very open about it because everybody focuses on the physical and the pain aspect. um, And that's actually not the biggest battle. Um, We're all good at fighting through pain. Everybody hurts. um, But the, the, the mental aspect, the depression that happens when when things are out of your control. Um that's the biggest and, and most difficult battle that that anybody struggling with a with a disease um similar to this, I think honestly faces. Um, and so I was like, hell yeah. So jumped on a plane, flew out there, and uh the Mayo Clinic is amazing. Um, not to say they're the only one I'm, I'm working with Stanford down here, and they're amazing as well, but uh, I show up and they hand me literally an itinerary that looked like my schedule at, <laughs> at work, you know, 9 a.m. here, 11 p.m. there, 1 p.m. there, it's all outpatient. Um, none of this here, take one test, wait two months for the results and then schedule another test a month later. Type thing, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, hell, they
2: leave the catheter in. If, if you gave blood in the morning and they needed to, to poke you later that day, they just taped it up and let you walk around the afternoon with it. Yeah, what you're saying and is they're nice. badass. Uh, they anyway. are very badass. So, not to drop names, but um, in the course of, of, of working at the store and, and relationships, um, I had the immense privilege of, of meeting Mr. Greg LeMond um, and, and becoming kind of friends with him. And Greg lives wow. back there. And he had had some himself and uh wait back up you, you
0: hey kyle back up something it glitched there oh. for a second and we missed i missed uh i don't know if it's no i heard name, I, I, I i heard missed it too
3: keep going
2: okay okay, okay yeah, so greg
0: lamont's
3: back, greg back LeMond, up to that so
2: greg said after he retired and um okay. he lives in minnesota and he, he i knew that he had gone to the mayo clinic and so i called up greg I got some stuff going on, explained a little bit. invited back and he's like, and he's like, you need anything? Holler when I get, you. but he's like, they're the best. He goes, they are the athletes. <laughs> that proved true. So kind of the initial cursory stuff, I a stress test scheduled. And I'm walking down the hall with the doctor it's like, so jokingly, what protocol we we doing? Bruce protocol? And he kind of laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> He's like, <laughs> and he goes, I know you're a good athlete. But so he goes, you know, these always, he goes, we do world-class athletes all day long, <laughs> which kind of put me at ease. And he goes, so where this thing in his head was I'd done this um, half marathon in November which has become my least favorite race in the world. I won't go anywhere near it. In fact, I, I now <laughs> won't even be in Seattle. <laughs> 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 around mile eight. Uh, Don't even I give me, his... uh, yeah. I started having issues and attacks and it you know, was on the hills and they recovered and they hit me again and blah, blah, blah. So he goes, yeah, because this, this thing started manifesting during the Seattle half marathon, right? And he goes, he goes, okay, well, I loaded the, the course profile into the treadmill, <laughs> I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I loaded it in." He goes, "And I know your times, and I, I've, I've seen all your gar." I was like, "You what?" <laughs> Garmin me. Yeah, like, Holy shit! Legit. So, what you're gonna do is you're gonna warm up. You're gonna do. We're gonna recreate that day. He goes, "I hope you actually brought running clothes." Not. <laughs> yeah, but you might have wanted to tell me I was raised on the Right. They literally put me on the. And had me race a half. Oh my god! Which was all the stuff dangling and bouncing off you. But the approach was different. And this is an example of where, as, as healthy, athletic people, you've got to you've got to take control of your own medical stuff. The Medical community out there is—they're used to dealing with the ninety-some percent of people that are sedentary and right. unhealthy. Don't know how to diagnose. So you, you, need to, you need to kind of push for that and find the doctors that are willing to, to look at you. what is normal for you and what is not normal for you, um, to, you know, to diagnose you as an athlete. So the minute he said that, you know, I felt this huge sigh of relief. Like, finally, I'm in a place where they understand, you know, me as a healthy athlete, and we're going to get some answers. So by the end of the week, they had done uh, – nothing showed up in the stress test, which is weird. Um, for some reason, the treadmill didn't trigger things. Wait, did you PR the course, pal? <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> I was
2: like, holy oh, crap. Um, literally, they had this 12-lead UCG hanging off me, bouncing all around and everything. Um, it, was, uh, it was funny. Um, but uh, they did a, a chest X-ray, a chest CT scan with contrast, which kind of lights up in your arteries, and makes them show up, but they timed it with um, with the ECG. So they took snapshots at the various stages of, of the heart um, rhythm. So in compression, when it's open, closed, um, et cetera. And what they noticed was when my heart was compressed, when it was beating during systole, they saw what was called a myocardial bridge. And that means normally you have two main arteries that feed the heart. The LAD and and the RAD, Um, and they're supposed to be outside the heart, uh, like ivy on a on a chimney. And my LAD, which is the primary one, was actually embedded inside the heart muscle, for what at that point looked to be about three and a half centimeters. And what that means is, every time my heart would beat, it would clamp off my artery. Yeah, yeah, not not good. I was like, that can't be good. good. (laughs) But they were still a little confused at this point because they're like, well, what they thought was that it was causing vasospasms and a vasospasm was where, where your artery, um, the lining of the artery, which is responsible for dilation and contraction, goes haywire and overreacts and it'll collapse essentially. And they, they postulated that this was happening because of the bridge at the bridging site. And then I was just feeling the effects elsewhere from a lack of oxygen or blood flow um so they're like hey we want to do a catheter study an angiogram and i was like oh well that's a little invasive and i, I was by myself <laughs> i'm like you mind if i come back in a week or two uh, with my wife <laughs> um, they're like sure 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 but they were willing to go right then and there um so i flew back um a few weeks later with my wife did the angiogram and I'm laying on this this cold skinny table with a you know catheter stuck up through my growing into my artery and um, I like eighty lead mat on me and, and a little uh, paper napkin over my, uh, you know, my private stuff, and as a bunch of people in this room, and I'm staring up at the biggest, highest resolution screen I've ever seen in my life, and I was like, "Y'all watch like, you know, games and stuff on this? <laughs> <laughs> like this is a badass. I want to watch a movie in here." Um, and uh, they first they did the try to do the heart rate thing, and they, they couldn't get my heart rate up chemically, which was weird. Uh, all it did was skyrocket my blood pressure, which wasn't super comfortable. Then they did the spasm study where they, they chemically induce um, vasospasms. So if you're prone to vasospasms, this chemical will trigger it. Sure enough, um, I got my symptoms. And it kind of sucked. They're like, hey, is this what? Huh? <laughs> like, scale of one to ten. What is this? I'm like, seven or eight? They're like, seven or eight? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And they're like, it gets worse. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Talking at this point, like foreign accents and this and that. And I'm like, okay, so we're shutting it down right now. He's like, (laughs) give him nitroglycerin and my cardiologist, Dr. Lehrman, comes over and he's like, Hey, I'm going to circle up with you when you get downstairs. He goes, um, I don't understand what we just saw, but we're going to talk about it. (laughs) Um, So I get off the table, get downstairs for recovery, and, um, and he comes in, um, pulls up the computer and he goes, well, the short story is you just took the textbook and threw it out the window. <laughs> and we're okay with that. And I was like, okay. Um, and uh, so he goes, here's the deal. We thought that, that, um, that the bridge was causing the spasm at the bridge. And he goes, what we saw was your entire arterial system collapsed. Oh. I'm like, what? And he plays the the video of the angiogram. He goes, see how everything's nice and thick? And then it gets super skinny. I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> he goes, that's <laughs> yeah. not good. He goes, that's <laughs> everywhere. Um, And I was like, okay. So he's like, we don't think at this point that the bridge is causing that. We think you basically have a really bad um, case. The bridge is bad, but... Of what's called endothelial dysfunction, where all of your arteries are basically prone to vasospasm. Oh. He goes, but here's the catch: what we thought that we didn't think that was congenital. We thought it was caused by high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and inactivity. Oh, <laughs> and and sudden drops in temperature.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like, you have hypocholesterolemia. In other words, I had a total cholesterol count of 85. A little too low. <laughs> yeah, super <it's too laughs> yeah. low. Yeah. yeah. Um, my You know, my blood pressure was super low. I'm an athlete, right? Like barely enough to keep us upright. And he's obviously you're not inactive Um, because we did nail the cold temperatures. I mean, yes, you did. You know, if I walk into a grocery store, open a freezer door and I'm wearing a t-shirt, I'm messed up. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, So they're like, this is, you know, this is good and it's bad. We now understand a lot more about this condition and we've been missing a lot of diagnosis in healthy people. Because we ruled them out because of their symptoms or they're, you know, they're healthy. Uh, so I was like, okay, guys. Well, the bad news is the only way we know how to treat this right now is with, um, with vasodilators, basically um, calcium channel blockers or um, heart. I you know that um, two of the most famous medications out there, Cialis the and Viagra, are actually heart medication. <laughs> <Aha>. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, that's funny. The byproduct, yeah, the, the side effect was what they market. Exactly. Right.
2: So yep. uh, but it's the idea I'm with Kyle.
0: you, Kyle. Kyle, i got your back.
2: <laughs> so yeah, there's an upside to everything. But um so they put me on some medication, on some calcium channel blockers, and gave me nitroglycerin, which is an instant super whammy to, to blast open the arteries. And um and this is the part that I love. He's like, Okay, the other thing that, that we can't understand is he goes, I don't understand why you didn't die on the table during the injured. Gee, like, thanks. What? He goes, yeah, but we watched because the reason everybody freaked out is he goes, that's essentially what happens when somebody has a massive heart attack. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. So what I was going to ask you is, is if they thought that you basically had a heart attack there. Yeah. Uh, they
2: basically were like, but that would mean you're having a heart attack every time you get a symptom, Just, but you have no ischemia. There's no cell damage in the heart. So <laughs> we don't get this. So, it, so is it
0: like, so, and this is just me getting weird, but yeah. So is it essentially like, if you think about it as a, as the system that it is, right, the heart itself was basically causing repercussions outside of itself that, you know, when you look at it, you think like, oh, you had a heart attack, you know, the damage, you know, into the interior mm-hmm. of all that stuff. But the actuality is, is that it was basically doing like a shockwave out to everything else, creating, you know, all of these problems. Oh, you just spoiled that, it, bro. Is,
2: You're dead on. the funny part. So then... Yeah. So you and I are probably. Like, hey, I'm a I'm a, mountain, I'm a bike mechanic, right? And like hydraulic brakes and everything. I've got a little bit of an engineering background. I'm not a cardiologist, but I do have a bit of a medical background. But, and so, fast forward to that part. Um, I asked him, like, well, you don't think that this bridge is causing the issues everywhere? I'm like, I know I'm not a cardiologist. I'm just a bike mechanic. But when I grab my, but uh, the you know your your arterial system is a closed fluid system, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, and so a ton of like my mountain bike breaks, and when I grab the the lever up on the handlebar, it clamps off the brakes in the back of the bike, and all of a sudden yep. these cardiologists, one of them races the cycle cross, and he just starts laughing. <laughs> and Dr. Lerman, like, dude, you can be such a dick sometimes because, <laughs> especially when you're right, <laughs> because we hadn't thought about that. I was like, so you know, like you said, if you're affecting the system in one place, it's causing a shockwave, so to speak, or it changes the pressure everywhere else, and And the combination of I have this bridge and the lining of my arteries is is a little malformed. It was triggering, um, or not the only cause, but it it triggers. And so, um, you know, long story short, um, they discovered that yes, the bridge probably was exacerbating the problem, but the cool part was one, they're like, the only reason we can, and this is a, this is one of the big messages that I, that I want to share is the only reason the Mayo Clinic, these are the best cardiologists in the world, that i was alive and and able to to survive these attacks in this condition they nicknamed me the wolverine was um <laughs> yeah seriously yeah they did. it was great until i saw the last movie logan and that really depressed me um, <laughs> yeah. they're like it has to be your lifelong athleticism and the fact that you have just kept your body in such good shape and your body's used to, to operating in low oxygen conditions things like that but um they're like, we can only attribute your body's, you know, survival mechanisms to your being an athlete and being healthy. Um, and that's important. Jeez. It is absolutely the best medicine and preventive thing that anybody can do. Um, and he's like, whatever you do, don't stop training. <laughs> he goes, I know it hurts. Yes, you have attacks because of it. He goes, but don't stop. It'll get worse. And it was, And I as I kind of, to. Jeff's point the reason that jeff didn't get to train with me is i'd had to stop racing and training for several years i just couldn't do it i could barely stand up in the shop um you know a lot of times if if, if i seemed like i was ignoring people the real reason was i was standing there having attack and stoically hiding it from everybody
0: jeez oh, so, yeah
2: and that happens and... A, a lot and i uh, used to and so um but but they were awesome, and and to test the meds. Here was the funny thing: like he goes, okay, go on the meds. He goes, and then I want you to race the the um, the uh, Phoenix Rock and Roll Half Marathon because we have a Mayo Clinic right there. <laughs> this is how this was his I, idea how to test the drug. He I like race this guy. A half marathon, right? Guy's awesome. Bro. Yeah, I love it. I mean, this is this is brilliant. So so yeah. Long story short, I kept I kept trying the medication. It, it, it helped but it, it, it wasn't you know it wasn't fixing things and um and over time you know a few years it just kept getting worse and kept getting worse and i kind of reached the point where i'm like this isn't working um the nice thing on the flip side they had they'd found and diagnosed several other people with my condition healthy people, younger awesome. people. um and so it, it had started leading that medically even still um, most cardiologists do not believe that, that these myocardial bridges are a significant issue. And there's really only two teams at, one at Stanford and one at Mayo Clinic that are really driving um, that this is a problem. Um, and I encourage, I encourage people not to get paranoid, but if you're doing a big um, check, if you've ever had any kind of weird issues or symptoms like that, ask them to look for a myocardial bridge. Um, one of the things they don't know is how, how common it is. Um, it can, I was actually quoted anywhere from 15 to 85% of the population may have. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and like, what kind of yeah. statistic is just that? A small, yeah. like, just a small, you have no clue.
3: Wait, so do, do they name the test after you know, after you know, no, not even close. Are you like, you know, like Tommy John surgery It's like the Kyle Watson test. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just the guinea pig.
2: Um, <laughs> the Wolverine. So, yeah. Wolverine. Um, so you know, he brought up the, the idea of surgery a while back, but because they didn't think that the bridge was causing it, they didn't want to, to be that invasive. They're like, we're not going to cut on you right now. Um, and things got really pretty bad. And, uh, so I, I called Dr. Lehman and we started talking and he goes, yep. He goes, I get it that you're, at the end of your rope. And he goes, I think it's time to, to consider the surgery. Um, they hadn't done a lot of unroofings. Um, one doctor had done it down in Texas. Um, with the robot, which was turns out to be pretty careless and it was a pretty small bridge. Um, and they got lucky that it was successful, but, um, well they had done a study where they had taken, um, a dozen or so, um, patients that had a terminal heart condition, um, hardening of the heart that also had a myocardial bridge. And those patients had elected to have the, the unroofing procedure was what, what it's called. And in almost every case, they had, um, had experienced some, some relief of symptoms. And it didn't fix their underlying problem, but, um, but uh, they knew that it was at least beneficial, right? And so he's like, I'm only going to let one, one surgeon cut on you, and that's Dr. Shaft. He's argued one of the best uh, cardiothoracic surgeons in the world. Um, he goes, and, and unless he'll, he'll cut you, I won't let anybody else. So he talked to Dr. Shaft. And Shaft said, yes, I think it's time. And he goes, I'm confident that the, the procedure is, is worth the risk now, that it has benefits. Um, so we kind of started talking about that. This is in, in late November, getting close to Thanksgiving time, um, which is when my favorite race is. <laughs> and so um, interesting little side note that I won't belabor too much, but a good friend of mine, Katie, she was, she'd had uh, her gallbladder removed couple years prior to this and the uh, surgeons had totally botched it up and uh, she was having issues and they were having, they just weren't doing a good job of taking care of her locally. Long story short, I reached out to Dr. Johnson. We put her on a plane on, on Saturday night um, and flew her out to the Mayo clinic with her husband at the time, Nico. And that next morning, um, or actually that day, I was watching Macbeth, my wife, uh, run the Seattle half marathon, marathon, and she's out there doing her thing. It's cold. And, and, uh, and I was sitting in a in a coffee shop, um, waiting for her to get back. And, uh, with a friend of mine and suddenly I had a really bad attack that felt really different. Um, and that was not good. I'm like, okay, this is just, it was much worse, um so mac finished we got home i called the mayo clinic um things were getting really really bad they called harborview in seattle and alerted their surgeons um that we may they may need to perform the operation there um i called alaska told them what was going on they um they got me a seat on the next flight 6 a.m the next morning going out to minnesota and uh and they're like you know we'll just we'll watch it through the night and if you can get through the night get your ass on that plane if you think you're stable um, and get out here. So I made it through the night. Um, I got on the plane by myself because there was only one seat left. In fact, I think they had to bump somebody to do that. Jeez. Holy uh, smokes. And Nico drove down to to, um, to Minneapolis, met me at the airport, picked me up, drove me up to Mayo Clinic. Matt got on a flight later that night. My dad got on a flight from, from Idaho and they started flying out. And uh, Katie had her surgery um, that next day. I met with uh, – with Dr. Schaff and Dr. Learman and, and they're like, we need to operate things had stabilized a little bit. Um, he's like, how's tomorrow morning at 6am? <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. Um, Sheesh. but that's, I mean, the Mayo Clinic, when they decide to operate, they have enough top surgeons. They can catch you within 48 hours. If you want to pick your surgeon 24, if you don't care. Um, and so we talked through the surgery a little bit and I was still a little concerned about him wanting to go open heart instead of um, with a da Vinci, And he explained to me, he goes, well, I know that, you know, let me explain, we can do valve replacements and bypasses all day long with the robot. He goes, it's pretty simple. If I'm replacing a valve, I go in, I cut the valve out, I put the new one in and I stitch where I cut. He goes, if I'm bypassing something, I go in and make an incision above the blockage, below the blockage. I take the, you know, the new artery and I stitch where I cut. He goes, what I'm going to do on your heart is 100 times more technical. I'm like, what? You're going to make a little incision to, to open up the, the heart muscle that, that surrounds the heart so it's not constricting, right? I'm like, that's just a little incision. He goes, yes, it is just a little incision. He goes, but I have to cut down through your heart muscle blind He goes, I can't see the artery, and I don't know how deep it is because I have to cut to the artery but not cut the artery. <laughs> Oh. And he held his finger behind his other hand. He's like, can you see my finger? I'm like, no. He goes, that's what I'm going to be dealing with when I'm, when I'm cutting on your heart. <laughs> he right. goes, I want as much visibility as I can get. <laughs> I was like, well, now you put it that way. He goes, this is arguably one yep. of the most technical cuts you can make on a human heart. I was like, well, okay, crack me open. Um, let's go. Let, let's do this. Um, I'm going to get the big zipper scar. Um, and I kind of freaked out, I called a buddy of mine, Dave, the night before we had open heart surgery, um, iron heart, and, and he talked me through everything kind of that night when I, I was waiting to, whether I'd make it through and get on the plane. And, and Dave was amazing and talking me, kind of talking me down off the ledge a little bit and quelling calling some of my fears. But um, yeah, so go in, they're uh, you know, they're prepping me, ready for anesthesia and I, and I looked and like, hey, um, is it okay if I wear my GoPro? <laughs> They start laughing, like, well, dude, you're going to carve me open and expose my heart to the light of day. I freaking want that thing on camera. (laughs) And I literally brought my GoPro. (laughs) They're like, they did it? No, they're like, how about this? We're teaching hospital. We'll take pictures. I was like, deal. But I want to see my heart. And sure enough, I have pictures of my heart before and after the surgery, um, which is pretty badass. Nice. But, um, yeah, so the surgery went well. It was a a very long day for my wife and and father. Um, For me, it was a very short day. But uh, um, the only part we forgot to talk about was um, that they were going to put me on bypass because they didn't want my heart beating while they made this very delicate cut. And I I didn't know I was out cold. But suddenly my wife is sitting in the waiting room with my, my dad, and they're watching the status board, and it suddenly says, on bypass. And they both had a panic attack. What do you mean on by panic? Yeah. You mean he's yeah, <laughs> dead right now and living off a machine, breathing and Right. And they're like, yes. It's like, nobody told me about this. Um, right. And this is another kind of point that I want to I stress to people. It's, it sucks and it's very hard being the patient. And it definitely it has an impact on your life. But it has a big impact on the people around you as well. And it impacts their life, and those people that care about you. And I'm very fortunate to have so many people that care very much about me, um, and have been instrumental. Greg is definitely one of them. Um, and uh, but it's not easy for them to sit by and watch this happen, and to be supportive and to be to be strong when you need them to be strong, um, because it's not easy to watch somebody you care about go through things like this. Yeah. So. Fast forward a little bit, so I come out. It's you know I'm all groggy. I still remember thinking I was in a little small recovery room. Um, no idea I was in this massive ICU unit. And uh, the the funniest <laughs> joke was they brought a bed in for, for Mac to spend the night in there. And and I kept I was still high as a kite, right? And I had no idea where they were putting that bed because I thought it was a wall right behind me. And I was like, Where are they putting? It? Where'd she go? How did she? Her daughter <laughs> into the wall, right? <laughs> but so I, I'm kind of running short of time, so I'm going to speed this up a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I recover. I get down to the regular recovery ward, and and it's time to do do my first walk. I'm like, walk? Yeah, come on, guys. Like, you know, I, I didn't have brain surgery. You didn't cut a leg off or something. <laughs>
3: They're like,
2: we just walk out of your room about 50 yards down to the counter and back. And I've got this walker and these little suitcases attached. I had two big tubes coming out of my chest to drain all the blood out of the out of the chest cavity and and I start to walk. And I stand up. I'm a little dizzy, and oh my god, the struggle! All of a sudden, that counter looked 26 miles away. Yeah, and every huh. step took everything I had to make it, and it was exhausting just getting to the counter and back. And um, and and my friend um, Dave had challenged me. He's like, I walked out of the the, the hospital three days after my surgery. And he goes, and you will too. And so I kept that in the back of my mind. And every chance I got, I, I got up, had Mac or the nurses, and I started walking. And I got to the counter. I got down to where my wife had told me she found out where they were hiding in Jell-O.
3: And
2: so <laughs> I was like, God damn it, I'm going to go steal some Jell-O. So that was my next <laughs> mission, right? Go steal some Jell-O. Um, and then, you know, by the end of day one, I was walking around my ward and day two, Katie had come over in a wheelchair and visited me. Um, and she had a big 7, 8 inch scar on her abdomen and, and a little tube hanging out. And and, and so did I. And that, that was a hug I'll never forget. <laughs> uh, but the next day, my goal was she was she was in a wing a, l- a little bit, the next kind of building over, but connected. And then I'm like, I'm going to walk to see Katie. So I'm like, I'm going to go see Katie. And so that was a challenge. We took our time. but But Mac and I, she walked me. I walked over to see Katie and back. And, uh, and, and I was recovering pretty quickly. Um, then I got to take my bandage off and finally look at my scar. And <laughs> I looked in the mirror and I was almost ashamed, uh, especially since I seen everybody else in the, in the ward. And uh, I called. It was too small. Oh God, yeah. I called Dr. Johnson. <laughs> I was like, did you, were you in there? I thought you couldn't operate. I could ask him to open and close me. He goes, no, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, my scar doesn't look right. He's like, what do you mean? So I looked at the surgical notes because the Mayo Clinic has this app and everything's instantly available. And I looked at the, looked at the surgeon who had done opening and closing and it was the chief of plastics.
3: Uh. (laughs) I was like, you called
2: in a favor." He goes, yeah, maybe I did. (laughs) (laughs) So I almost have this embarrassingly thin zipper scar, but, um, and a couple of cool bullet holes, but, but fast forward, it, um, the next challenge David gave me was run a half marathon or complete a half marathon in three months, and uh, I wasn't allowed to start running um, for six weeks, and I wasn't even supposed to lift anything heavier than a milk jug for for like two or three <laughs> weeks. Um, the first week sucked. I did leave the hospital on day three, flew home, walking. Um, the what? He ran home. I walked. Did you walk out? Did you mean I the walked, out. Yeah. walked out? Yeah checked you know, got checked out. My cardiologist is like, you're insane. You should be here for five to eight days. I'm like, Nope, going home. He goes, all right. Um, and friends came to visit me and they would take me for walks out on the trail by my house and, uh, and get me outside. But it, it's tough. Um, you know, dealing with depression, the second week is the worst. The depression super creeps in. Um, but fast forward, I started running again. My, my coach, uh, Sean loved that guy. Literally, two weeks after the surgery, he had me in the gym with little baby weights doing things. He's like, (laughs) you're getting your ass in here three days a week. And, you know, he started my rehab right then and there. I didn't do the the normal cardio rehab. I, Sean uh, kicked my ass and, and, uh, and got me going. And I I finished my half marathon. And the next thing was to try and tackle a, a half Ironman. And so we put Cabo on the, on the, um, on the calendar and it wasn't even quite a year, but, um, I got halfway through the run. It was, it was a crazy race, but, uh, unfortunately I didn't finish it. Ended up in a Mexican hospital.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez! It oh,
2: geez. wasn't on, that, man. it wasn't a big deal. I just needed to go to the finish. My blood pressure was up, but they didn't speak English and they saw the zipper and oh yeah, it was, it was fun. I was wearing a suit, so <laughs> I freaked everybody out. I didn't have a phone. It was, it was a, a great day. But... <laughs> um, but Iron Man felt so bad that there was a lot of, Crazy stuff that went on that day. They offered me a free entry to to Monterey, um, <laughs> and I took it in the following spring. You and, almost died. Uh, Here's another entry. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Do better next time. Just <laughs> no. sign this waiver first, please. Yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they were great. So I, I kept training and uh, went to Monterey, and uh, I managed to finish Monterey. Um, wasn't my fastest time, but I I got in in a 5:30 something, and I was very happy with that. Wow. Uh, <laughs> And that had checked the box, and so, you know, the short story. It didn't cure me. It didn't fix everything, but um, but it was a big improvement. I got my I got a second lease on life, and and now the the choice is mine. What I'm going to do with that. And right. uh, you know, it's it's tough. Things I've learned. Like I'm living down here. I'm, a, I'm an executive in the startup company, and the stress is insane. And that's probably not a good <laughs> thing. But um, stress is bad, people. <laughs> um, and it will definitely, you know, screw you up. But um, you just gotta find the things that that make life worth living. And uh, a friend of mine once said to me, "She goes, I think it's it's amazing the way you choose not just to survive, but to thrive." Okay. And that's become a term that a lot of different, like Kaiser Permanente, that's their new ad campaign. And yep um, and it's true. And and this is my sort of little little saying: it, it, Every day is different, and every night's different. And some days you're just you're ready to quit and you've got three options every day. You can quit and, or you can just try and get by and survive. And there's some days that's all you can do is survive. But anytime you can take an opportunity to thrive, get out there and try. And the best thing you can do is find a support network. And I am so fortunate that the triathlon community and the running community and the biking community, um, have embraced me, um, and, you know, I, I was out on the track racing and everything and, and everybody knows what's going on. And, and I'd have an attack. They'd pick me up. They weren't just picking my body up. They're picking my dignity <laughs> up. They're picking my, you know, yeah. you know, everything up and, uh, and put me back on my bike. Right. Or tell me to keep going, not running me off to the hospital or freaking out. They're like, get your ass back on the bike and get going. And, um, and that's huge. So, um, that's uh you know kind of fast forwarding i i will uh i'll i'll make my public announcement here on on this podcast um i have decided to tackle the challenge of uh of long course again and i signed up for the santa rosa full iron man in the spring nice no so, kidding yep so that's my that's my next challenge and i've been training up taking advantage of the of the sunny weather down here in california um and uh, made some new training buddies down here, and and uh, set my sights on that, and uh, and hopefully, you know, the goal is is actually not to just finish it, but to uh, to try and, and and have a good race.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Kyle, man,
0: you know what's funny is like, I, I mean, I found out <clears throat> about some of the stuff uh, that you were that was going on with you, you know, like kind of like after, you know, um, and and it, it's funny. It, like people are going to say, Oh, Jeff, you didn't talk much at all. You know, I, for those listening is like, you know, I was sitting here just kind of like fascinated by, by the story that you're talking about. I was doing more like head nods and like, wow. it's crazy. And you know, the only thing that I can think of, like I, I I'm sort of kicking myself that I couldn't have been, or that I couldn't have had an opportunity to kind of get in there, you know, on your road back, you know what I mean? And that, and because I hear stuff like this and, and, you know, thinking back, feeling like like what a jackass, you know, I was, you know, sort of judging the book, right? Here I am coming in. I, I, I open up the segment stating how, how I first met you, right? Having no idea. <laughs> having no idea about anything. Oh, uh, bro, you're an,
2: an inspiration idea. too. And no, it's you just- and I talked over the years and, and I followed your, your path and what you did. And, and just because I'm struggling with a health issue. That's not it. Everybody has obstacles and everybody challenges sure. themselves and I draw energy from people like you that go out there and take on challenges that people think are impossible, that people think are stupid. Nobody thinks I should be you know, thought I should be racing again or doing this, but you know, you look out there and you're like, No, it's people like you, whether you're you're on the bike next to me or running next to me, or you're the one that I'm like, dude, if he can do it, I can do it and I need to not make excuses, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing, right? yeah
0: i mean man i just uh not weird but man i just i I, I got your back man so like you know if there's anything like as far as like dude we can train on zwift i don't know if you do zwift or any of that stuff and and we've been getting into that i'm gonna have to train a lot this winter (laughs) let's do it i'm on there all the time and like yeah i wasn't trying to get anything other than just saying like you know i i I humbled at the words you gave me i think um to me like it's just one of those things you never know. And, and, and it's all about what, what can you do? Right. And so yeah. for me, it's like, Hey, from here on, you know, let's, let's, let's do this. I've appreciated the uh, hopefully looking forward to developing the friendship and, and let's go kick some ass, man. I want to see you <laughs> oh, you, wanna yeah. see you go crush
2: freaking Santa Rosa. So, well, so, Hey man, just, your whole message, love I'll the pain. This yeah. is my take on that. And I yeah. love it because here's the thing. Pain lets you know you're alive, <laughs> Right. To be yep. able to experience that, to be able to go out and, and to, to put yourself into, into that pain that we, you know, that hurt locker that we, that we, you know, masochistly love so much, lets you know you're alive. If I'm not hurting, it, that's a bad sign. And so your <laughs> model love hey, man. I, I, I've got one of your, your kits, and I love rocking it, and I love seeing them out there. Um, you know, I, I love that aggressive kind of take, like, you know, to me, like a kid's like a bat suit. Like, you got to be badass. You have to put on that persona. You've got yeah. to be a little bit of a, of a jackass, so to speak, you know I mean? Got to, <laughs> you're in the right place, Kyle. You're in the right place. Exactly. You know, you have to have that attitude or you, or you, you can't you, – you're going to get your butt kicked by, by the shit that life throws at you, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's all about loving, loving the pain, man, and finding people like you guys out there that will do this along with you um, and that are just as nuts as you are. Um, yeah <laughs> and creating that 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 you know community so I'm looking forward to to working more with you guys this year um i'm gonna go kind of independent and and um and you know kind of represent my my coaches and my team and and i'd i'd love to to work with you guys and and rep more with the with the love the pain and triumph project stuff oh yeah so, awesome let's
0: do it man and hey, you know if you'd be open to coming back i'd I'd like to do a check in you know like give us a little status update maybe before we hit uh you know, as you're nearing up onto the Santa Rosa stuff, it'd be, uh, it'd be cool just to see how stuff's progressing. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just fascinating story, man. And, uh, and appreciate, appreciate the share, uh, definitely for those that, you know, you just never know. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, put it out there. Let's put it out there and, um, and just keep, keep doing what you're doing, man. Spreading the light. I love the outlook on it and just, yeah, I love that pain and freaking go kick ass. I'm I'm all about it.
3: Amen. Right on, man.
0: Yeah. Amen brother. So thank you Kyle so much. It, it, and can you share with anybody if, you know, if they want to reach out to you or, uh,
2: how can they find you do all that stuff? I mean, do you have that that you can share? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm kind of big on Instagram for one. Uh, I'm Mr. Crampy on Instagram and, and we can talk about that fun nickname another time. Um, okay. but, uh, yeah, Mr. Crampy on Instagram or just, um, just Mr. Kyle Watson at gmail.com is my email. Um, but uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, you can you know get a hold of me. I love meeting new people in the community, making new friends, and and, and sharing my story, um, and that of others. I, I know a lot of other folks out there that are uh, have overcome obstacles. A lot of them, you know, even more than mine. And Aaron Shide's, Um Aaron's a blind uh, triathlete. He's probably one of the best athletes I know, regardless of whether he can see or not. Um, you know, people like that um, inspire me. Um, oh yeah. So. Well, I
0: appreciate your light, my brother. And this is rocking. You too. Awesome. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yep. Well, just stay in touch. And, you know, for those listening, uh, you know, Kyle Watson, the rock star, the badass, <laughs> honestly. Like, I feel like how is Iron Man not poster child, some of this shit? And maybe they have, and I just don't know about it. But, I mean, to me, it's like, how, you, that's like essentially the Iron Man. I mean, right. like, look at what you're doing. Like, holy shit.
2: Shit, talking so. Oh, it's it's nothing, man. I tell you, I I went and watched Macbeth do Santa Rosa last year, and I was kind of out on the run course, and um, I had the opportunity. Don't tell anybody that I that I did this because she could get disqualified. But I don't think she managed to cross the line. But there was a lady that I'm 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 blanking on her name, but she was I think in her seventies, and she was a below the knee amputee or above the knee amputee, and this was like her twenty bazillionth Ironman. Um. And you want to talk about humbling, man. That lady sharing a couple miles with her, um, that humbled me. And, and that, oh, yeah. that said, you've no you got no excuses, bro. You've got no excuses. <laughs> if this yeah, woman right. yeah. can come out here and lay it down over and over again, knowing that half the time she might not even make the, the finish line just to start those things and to get onto that run, holy yeah. crap, you know? Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of it's just,
0: just lit. It's layers of badass, man. That's what I think. You know, this whole thing to me is that there's so many people that are badass, and it's just you know, to kind of it's not even about downplaying, it's just it's it's, it's layers of that stuff, and yeah. weave we it all together, man. And it's just to put it out there to people. It is, it's exactly that. It's just to get to one person that says, you know, like I can't, you know, that's right. the easiest no. fucking thing Absolutely. to say, right? Just, I clear. can't,
2: I can't do it. So, Iron Man you, is you, about you, pushing your limits. It's the people yep. that do triathlon and do things like triathlon these are the type of people that push their limits and everybody's limits are different, but what matters is we're all out there pushing those limits. And that's what we have in common. And, you know, those are the people that, that I love having in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, some people, they like to push their limits of work and this and that. And I like to push my limits in life. And, you know, people like you the same way, man, you just, you go, what's my limit. And what's 20 feet past that 20 miles past (laughs) (laughs) that. What is the stupidest <laughs> thing I can try and do, right?
0: Yeah, well, there might be another stupid thing I'm trying to do here next year. <laughs> nice, nice. You have got to pull me in, bro. I'll keep, yeah, I'll keep you posted. I think maybe if uh, you know fall lines up, man, it'd be fun to. Uh, it'll be another one where people can, can kind of line up with me, and I think it'll be virtual this time, so it'll just make it a lot easier. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, more to come hopefully, and, and um, count me like in. Said, I'm just trying to get get your story out, and, um, thank you for for. Being open to kind of talking with us and and yeah, we'll go from there. I don't know, Jason, if you have anything to add, but uh, I got nothing, but, man. Uh, I, I I how to
3: even top any of that. So Kyle, thanks, man. It was, it was awesome, <laughs> awesome to meet you. So thank you.
2: Thanks, yeah.
0: Jay. Yeah. Two to, uh, not that I wasn't a fan already, but you know, uh, more fans I'm sure exactly. from uh, from sharing this story and um, and yeah, we'll talk soon. So thanks, my brother. And I, I'm not closing out with any music. I'm I'm literally just letting this be. Um. So we, I'll thank you both for your time and for those listening, thank you for listening and uh, more to come. Thank you, Kyle Watson. And thanks, Jason. Thanks everybody. All right.